Good evening. We are carrying on in the book of Mark this evening, and we're looking at chapter 7, verses 31 through to 37. Uh, It's quite a short passage, but there's lots uh, packed into it. Uh, But before we read that, I think it would really be helpful for us just for uh, a minute or so to think about the people that we know who don't know Jesus, the people that we know who, who don't follow him. Uh, and maybe as we sit here this evening, uh, that could be quite painful to think about. It could be close friends. It could be family. It could be that that's where you'd put yourself this evening, not, not a committed Christian. Often when we, we think about these people, we wonder what on earth will it take for someone to accept the gospel, to, to follow and trust in Jesus. What on earth will that take? For some people, we think, oh, it's just so close. What is going to nudge them over the edge? For other people, we might just think, that is impossible. That will never happen. How on earth could that person ever believe in Jesus? It seems impossible. Well, this passage reminds us that nothing is impossible with God. And it shows us what is needed for people to become Christians. And that is this, that they need to understand who Jesus is and what he came to do. Well, perhaps that's what we'd expect. The passage also goes beyond that to show how people are able to understand this. That it's only through the work of Jesus himself, a miraculous work, that people are able to understand who Jesus was, who Jesus is, what Jesus accomplished. And finally, in this short section, we'll also see what the result of this is, the, the focus, the new focus of life for all those who, through Jesus, are able to understand who Jesus is. So let's read the passage together now. You'll find that on page 843 of the Church Bibles. This is Mark 7, from verse 31. Then he, that's Jesus, returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And he looked up to heaven and sighed and said to him, Ephephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, the Bible. We thank you that it is living and active. Lord, through the work of your Holy Spirit, please help us this evening to take in what you're saying to us. May it help us to love you more and to live for you. Amen. Well, we said at the start that this short episode is able to encourage us that people can and will turn to Jesus and to accept the Bible. So how does it show that? At first read, it can certainly seem like Mark simply recording another of Jesus' incredible miracles. But actually, what does Mark mean to teach us here today through what he writes? Well, so much of the book of Mark 
uh, as Andrew alluded to, we could say is written to show Jesus' identity. It's one of the big themes that runs right the way through the book. And here, Mark is highlighting to us a particular feature, a particular aspect of Jesus' work and his identity, which are so closely tied together. I think we can often put Jesus into a little box. We think we've got him all sort of sussed out and we know all that. But actually, in this miracle, Mark wants to enlarge our view of Jesus, to show that Jesus is who the scriptures have all been pointing towards. And we see, first of all, through this miracle, that Jesus brings great blessings and abundance. I saw a a story on a website recently about a woman who was born deaf, and at the age of 30, doctors were able, with with some high-tech medical intervention, to enable her to hear for the very first time. It was an incredible story. Apparently she then became a heavy metal music fan, so I'm not sure how good the hearing was or how long it'll last. But but even today, for for deaf people to get their hearing back is incredibly rare. It it makes the news, it makes the the internet. Well, in Jesus' time, it just didn't happen at all. So when Jesus heals this man who is deaf and mute, it's an incredible miracle. It shows us, it shows the people then instantly that Jesus is something special. Jesus can do the impossible. But, and this I think is where Mark is teaching us something slightly more specific. It is not just any impossible act that Jesus carries out here. As Mark records that Jesus heals a man who was deaf and mute, he's really deliberately pointing his readers to another passage in the Bible which speaks about this very thing. And in fact, the word he uses here for for mute, uh, the Greek word is used only in one other place in the Greek Bible, and that's back in Isaiah chapter 35. And Mark, throughout his gospel, has the book of Isaiah in mind, so it would be worth us finding chapter 35 in your Bibles. We're going to spend a bit of time there. It is page 595. Page 595. 9, 5, Isaiah chapter 35. And let me first of all read verses 5 and 6. These are the, the verses that Mark is directly alluding back to. Isaiah writes, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. Mark is using this miracle to point to an even greater part of Jesus' work by linking it back to this prophecy from Isaiah. And Isaiah as a whole, the book is a really challenging book. It's got some fairly scary, fairly graphic sections, and certainly none more so than chapter 34, just the previous chapter. This talks about God's anger at the nations, about how God is going to judge the nations because they've rejected him. It talks about everything being levelled, about creation being undone. But then, in chapter 35, we get this great contrast. We get a picture of hope beyond all of this. And it is an incredible chapter. In fact, let me read the whole thing to you. It's not too long. Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon, 
they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of, the, of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. It really is an incredible chapter that there is a restoration to come for God's people to look forward to. There is abundance and there is joy. It's incredible language throughout the chapter. And when does this happen? Well, see in verse 4, it will happen when they behold their God, when he comes to save them. And what does this look like? Well, in verse 5 and 6, among other things, the deaf hear and the mute sing. And Mark records for us that, that Jesus comes and the deaf do hear and the mute do sing. Mark records for us that Jesus is the very fulfillment of all of Isaiah chapter 35. And look how Isaiah describes this fulfillment. It's really physical, isn't it? It's not simply uh, sort of kind of me and Jesus, but it's the whole of creation being restored. The wilderness, the desert, the mountains rejoicing. It's Jesus bringing in this new creation. And Mark is, is giving us a glimpse of what this looks like as the deaf hear and the mute speak. Because it's not just creation kind of out there, where there's blessing and abundance through Jesus, but for humanity too. The weak are strengthened, the anxious reassured, the blind, the deaf, the lame, the mute healed. And at the heart of this, the key to all of this, the way of holiness in verse 8. Jesus providing a highway by which the redeemed and ransomed of the Lord will come back to God, back to Zion, to the new creation, where they will find eternal joy. We long as, as humans, it's a, a common longing, we all long to make the world a better place. We long for, for beauty, we long for things to be as they should be. And we long deep inside for the, the kind of picture painted in Isaiah chapter 35. And here in Mark 7, Mark is showing us that it's only through Jesus that we can start to achieve this. It's only as Jesus extends his kingdom that we can have this, that creation itself is glad, that humanity is redeemed, that there is real blessing, that there is real abundance. 
Uh, I think if we're honest, uh, even as Christians, we can sometimes stop getting excited about Jesus a bit, can't we? Now, we know we should be, but we're not just gripped as we feel we are. But if we're to grasp Mark's picture of Jesus, if we see that he is the answer to very real problems, that the pain we see in so many places, the, the hopeless situations we hear about close to home and all over the world, that Jesus is the only hope, and a certain hope, as he will grow his kingdom. He will bring in his new creation, where perfection will be restored. And this is a big picture of Jesus, which should really excite us. Mark's unpacking of Jesus' identity throughout the book isn't just the basics, which we then move beyond. We'll be understanding who Jesus is and what he did more and more and more and giving him glory and praise for this more and more and more the whole of our Christian lives. That is, that is what the Christian life is. Understanding Jesus, glorifying Jesus, loving Jesus more and more because of what he's done. If you're here this evening and, and you're not yet a Christian, is this the picture that you have of Jesus? So often people see Christianity as being kind of rules and being a little bit miserable and then it's really not anything that has any connection to real life. But but that is not at all the picture that the Bible paints. Christianity is about the person of Jesus and what he's done to restore all things and bring blessing and abundance for those who follow him. Again, as verse 10 of Isaiah 35 says, Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. What a great picture of who Jesus is and what he's done. A picture which, if if we remember it, stops us ever becoming bored with Jesus or trying to find our, our satisfaction in anything else, but instead keeps drawing us back to him to follow Jesus and to praise him. This miracle, first of all, shows us that Jesus brings great blessing and abundance. And so, in recording this, Mark is furthering, he is deepening our understanding of who Jesus is. And as we said at the beginning, this is so important because if people are going to accept Jesus, if people are going to follow Jesus, well, they really need to understand who he is. But also, as we said here, Mark goes beyond this to show us how people are going to be able to understand this. And he, Mark shows us that it's only Jesus who can bring this understanding. It's only Jesus who opens deaf ears. And this is our, our second point. Jesus opens deaf ears. And as we read through the, the miracle in Mark chapter 7, it is described quite differently to, to most of the other miracles in Mark, because we're given all sorts of details. Have a look down at verse 33. Uh, Jesus takes the man aside. He, we have fingers and ears, spitting, touching the tongue. Um, there's a lot of physicality about it. Compare that, for example, um, with the healing of the girl that we looked at last, last week in the verses just above. I mean, she doesn't even get a home visit. Jesus just speaks to her mum and, you know, bam, it's done. That's, that's all sorted. So then why... Do we get in this passage all the extra detail? Well, it forms a pair of miracles. Um, there is another one just over the page, chapter 8, 
verse 22. Uh, this time, the healing of a blind man. And we'll look at it in a couple of weeks. But again, that is described in a similar way. So why do we get this extra detail? It's not some kind of magic. It's not Jesus performing some kind of ritual or something for us to follow. But Mark records these details to highlight to us that these miracles, focusing on the deaf, the mute, the blind, have a particular symbolic significance. And they have this significance because Jesus himself applies the language of these physical disabilities to the disciples. Again, just over the page, chapter 8, verse 18, Jesus says to his disciples, having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear. He's saying, you disciples, you're deaf, you're blind. And Jesus has been showing who he is, he's been revealing his identity, but even the disciples aren't getting it. And we see that demonstrated on a, on a bigger scale over that whole of these chapters that we're looking at from chapter 6 through to chapter 8. And in chapter 6, Jesus enables the disciples to feed 5,000 people with just five loaves and two fish. And then in chapter 8, there are, there are 4,000 people. Again, they've all forgotten their lunch, which is careless. But, but Jesus says, you know, we need to feed these people. But the disciples don't say, well, that's not a problem, is it? Because we've just done 5,000. You know, Jesus, do that thing with the bread again and, and you know, we'll, we'll carry on. No, they, they look around. They can't sort of see any local shops or bakeries. And so they say in verse 4, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? They just fed 5,000 people with Jesus, but they still don't get who he is, what he can do. The disciples are still spiritually deaf. And this is a big problem because remember that this is the disciples. These are the guys that Jesus picked back in chapter 3 who he was going to send out. But they don't seem to be that much on the ball. They don't understand. They are deaf. But this miracle here in chapter 7 gives us hope as it shows that Jesus opens deaf ears. That those who are spiritually deaf, as the disciples were, as those of us who are Christians were before we accepted Jesus, as those we know who don't follow Jesus are, spiritually deaf, but Jesus can open deaf ears. And this shows for us our complete reliance on Jesus to enable us to understand who he is. Our complete reliance on Jesus to enable our friends, our family to understand who he is. To to understand what on earth we are talking about when we talk to them about Christian things. Just think of the the deaf person, the illustration of deafness. The deaf person doesn't hear because they're not trying hard enough. The deaf person doesn't not hear because uh, they're distracted or thinking of something else. It's impossible for them to hear. And that's the picture that is given of the person who doesn't know Jesus. It is impossible for them to understand. Impossible for them to respond. But Jesus can do the impossible. And Jesus can open deaf ears. And the fact that here this evening there are so many of us who do know and love and follow Jesus shows just that. We've not become Christians, those of us who are Christians, because we are cleverer than other people. 
We're not Christians because we've somehow managed to figure it out ourselves. We're not Christians because we came from a certain background. If you're a Christian here this evening, it's because Jesus has opened your ears to hear and understand who he is and what he's done. That takes away any kind of spiritual pride we might be tempted towards. We are completely God's work. And for this act of incredible grace, we should constantly give him thanks and give our whole lives for his glory. And again, this deafness also shows us how important, how completely dependent we are on Jesus acting in the lives of those who don't yet know him. I'm sure we all have people who we long to turn to Jesus, people who we long to accept him in the gospel. People that mean an awful lot to us. Well, the fact is that we are not going to convince these people. But God is able to open people's ears to understand. And that doesn't mean that we're, we're not involved, but when we look to share the gospel, when we look to speak about Christian things with people, we need to cover and surround this with prayer. We need God to act so that people can hear understand and respond. Perhaps you feel like you're in that boat uh, this evening. For, for a lot of people, you know, the gospel it all just seems to make sense. It all just seems to fit together. Uh, but for you, it hasn't quite clicked yet. It, it's not quite joined up with real life. Well, that's fine. We're, we're invited through this passage to pray, to ask for Jesus' help to put all the pieces together. And we're not just invited to do that, we're also shown that he is able to do that. This section of Mark, this miracle, shows us how unable to hear people are. How the the good news of the gospel can remain a mystery. But it also gives us the great encouragement that this deafness is no barrier to Jesus who opens deaf ears. And thirdly, finally, there is one other aspect of this miracle which stands out, and, that, and that's perhaps the most obvious, is that this guy gets a, a two-for-one healing. Not only is he healed of his deafness, he's now also able to speak as Jesus releases mute tongues. Let me read the final three verses again from 35. It says, And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Again, the the healing of this man's uh, muteness is, is factually true. This is what happened. It's very common, isn't it, for those who have been deaf, deaf, sorry, from birth, to have difficulty with their speech as they've never heard properly. Uh, But again, and more than that, just like the man's deafness, Mark uh, intends to use his inability to speak as a picture of the disciples. They've been unable to hear, unable to understand who Jesus is, and so they're currently unable to speak rightly about him. And remember, this is a big problem because... This is what Jesus has called them to do. But again, this miracle reminds us that Jesus can solve this problem. That Jesus will release their tongues. Jesus will use the disciples to speak the good news. 
by first opening their deaf ears. And then, just like this deaf man, just like the man who was mute, when they're able to hear, they will be able and they will be eager to speak about Jesus. And our response should be the same. If Jesus has opened our ears to understand who he is, what he's done, then it's our responsibility and it should be our pleasure to speak about that. But it's only as we can hear and understand who Jesus is that we can speak accurately about him. As we hear, then we speak. But you might say, look at verse 36. Uh, Surely Jesus is telling the people not to tell anyone. How does that fit in? And it's true, isn't it? It kind of sticks out a little bit there. Jesus charged them to tell no one. How do do we uh, make sense of that? Well, it's quite a a common thread running through Mark. Jesus trying to keep what he's doing from getting too public. Jesus charging people not to speak. Why is he doing this? Well, it's because at this point, In Mark chapter 7 here, people still don't fully understand what Jesus' mission was. Still don't fully understand who he was. This miracle is is a picture that Jesus can open deaf ears. Jesus can enable people to understand. But this hasn't fully taken place yet here. The, The people in this story, the disciples at this time, still don't know But Jesus' primary reason for coming to earth was to die and to rise again, to pay the price, to pay the penalty for human sin. And over the the following few chapters, for the rest of the book really, Jesus is going to teach them about this, but it will be a real struggle for them to understand, a real struggle for them to fully grasp this. And actually, I think in Mark, the only time that people are told to go and tell is in the very last chapter, chapter 16, after Jesus has died and risen again from the dead. Mary and and Salome go to look for the body, and an angel tells them, he is risen, he is not here, but go, tell his disciples. Go and tell. Now they've seen, now they've understood the heart of Jesus' mission, his death and resurrection, They had to go and tell. And that is exactly what the disciples did. And we too stand in this privileged position through the record of the Gospels and the rest of the New Testament. The full nature of Jesus' work has been revealed to us. And so if he has opened our ears to understand who he is, that he is the one who brings great blessing and abundance and that the means of this was through his sacrificial death, which reconciled us to God. If our ears have been open to hear so that we can understand this, then we are to go and tell. And again, this takes us back to Isaiah 35, where we read that the mute will sing for joy. Those who've had their ears open will use their tongues to praise God. We've been talking about using our our tongues to go and tell, and I want us to see that really these two things are are the same. That our our going and telling, our evangelism, is simply our publicly praising, our joyfully proclaiming and sharing who Jesus is, what he's done for us. And that is what spreading the good news is. That is what, as disciples, we are called to do. Tongues which were unable to speak, being loosened, to sing for joy of what Jesus has done for us 
And right at the heart of his work, that we now understand that we've had revealed to us through his word, the Bible, his death and resurrection. I don't know about you, but I think that makes the task of evangelism just seem a bit more manageable. We are simply speaking about what God has revealed to us in the Bible. Simply sharing what it is that we believe, what it is that made us a Christian in the first place. We don't convince people in our own strength. We don't convince people through our clever words. We simply publicly praise Jesus for what he's done, for who he is. And we commit the work of enabling people to hear, to understand and to respond to this into his hands. This passage, this miracle in Mark's gospel gives us great confidence that no one is beyond God's reach. There are no lost causes. God can open deaf ears to hear and understand that Jesus is the one who brings great blessing and abundance through his death and resurrection, providing a way for us to come back to God. And that God primarily primarily uses the joyful proclamations of our loosened tongues to do this as he continues to bring people to himself. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that through the work of Jesus, all creation has the great hope of restoration, that we can be reconciled to you. And we thank you that you open deaf ears to hear and understand what you have done. We thank you that there is no one beyond your reach. And Lord, if you have graciously revealed yourself to us, we ask that you would use us to share this great news with the people around us. Lord, we ask that you would open their ears to hear and accept what you have done for them. Lord, we do this for your glory and for your name. Amen.